Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to Latin Rouge Cycling Podcast. If a triple header wasn't good enough yesterday, how about quadruple race action today? Tour de Suisse with more action in the actual race today. A hilly stage will also quickly recap Slovenia, Occitanie and Balwaza, Belgium two of the three of which were all sprints. So Swiss really was the main action of the day as well as being the only world tour race. The news, before I get into the profile, before we start, whole of Jumbo Visma, out, gone. One of their riders apparently, or I think it's not been confirmed as, uh, well, it has been confirmed that one of them has COVID, but we don't know which, we don't know how many exactly. The whole team's gone. They fooled them from Swiss. And then Adam Yates has been pulled as well. He tested positive for COVID and Ineos stated it was him, but the rest of the team stayed in the race. So it's something we've been dealing with for two, this is the third season, Benji. We almost forgot at the start of the year, but we're now in a situation where the Tour de France teams of the top, like two of the top three GC teams could be vastly affected by COVID positives. Yes, certainly. I do think that Jumbo said in his statements that the, it was not going to affect their Tour de France team per se. So for me, that would give the indication that Cus is not affected, as he's the likely candidate in that team that would also be at the Tour de France when I look at their Tour de France, uh, Tour de Suisse and Tour de France start lists. And then when it comes to like Adam Yates, it's obviously a, a blow for Ineos. And I don't know what this means for their Tour de France, of course, how bad his symptoms are going to be, how his recovery is going to be, but I'm pretty sure that getting COVID two weeks before the Tour de France is ne- definitely not a good thing for a ride like that. And yeah, it's not just COVID affecting this race. There's a heat wave at the moment. Riders are pulling out left, right, and center from Tour de Suisse. As a reminder, the extreme weather protocol doesn't exist for hot conditions even though they're more dangerous than five degrees without rain uh, in terms of dehydration and health risks, extreme weather protocol is literally never applied because of hot conditions, at least not from what I've seen. So, yeah, riders just suffering, I guess, and the race goes on as usual. But the race itself was a World Champs-style course, just only 190K, not 250-plus. The last half of it, up and down all day to Novazzano on the Italian border near Mendrizio. Uh, and it's like 2.5k, 7.5% climb. Finishes on an uphill kicker as well. There's at least, I'm looking at it, at least a dozen climbs. Really hard. Remco here, Stephen Williams in the leader's jersey, full sang. Borogoda Gita, Shakman Vlasov. Perfect course for Vlasov, who loves these up and down climbs. One Giro de Emilia in. 2020. But before we get into the action, which there was plenty of, mention our show partner Zwift. If you need a little extra motivation to get some extra virtual elevation under your legs, just like the riders in the last half, half of this course, Zwift have just the thing for you with their Cask Protone mission. All you need to do is sign up to the mission and climb 2,500 meters between today and 30 June. It's about two weeks for your chance to win a Cask Proton icon as worn by the Ineos Grenadiers, as well as unlock the helmet for your Swift avatar. Once you've signed up, this elevation can be getting group rides, races, or solo rides 
at your own pace. So head to Swift.com to find out more. And if you haven't already signed up to Swift, you can start a seven-day free trial and do that Cars Crotone mission as well. But Sylvain Dillier Benji honoring the Swiss national champs jersey, last man standing of that breakaway in the heat today. Yes, certainly. Uh, a pretty uh, decent breakaway with Turgis, Kamp, Jakobs, and Imhoff. Those are riders that can do some damage in a breakaway, but Delier was definitely the strongest. They're held on on the uh, hilly circuit we had towards the end of this route, and it was really when the peloton started picking it up with multiple teams doing stuff in the peloton. Like, at a certain point, UAE was pacing, Stephen Williams was being dropped, and that's the GC leader. So, goodbye, Stephen. It was nice to meet you. But um, for the rest of the race, Ineos started picking it up. And when Ineos started picking it up, it seemed like a better tempo than all the teams that were at the front before. And it was really when Von Barla started being in first position that I saw more damage to the peloton on these circuits. And what point in the race did you feel like the race properly opened up with actual important riders dropping? It wasn't when Van Baal was pacing. He actually was keeping the gap pretty tight. Yeah, it was 115 to 106 to Dillier. It was with like 20 Ks to go or so. Not sure which climb exactly. It was when Chris Nalens, the man who attacked on Poggio in 2018 and then towed Nibali who counted, Benji's favorite domestique for Nibali. He's actually really talented. Um, he's like 27, 28. Anyway, Israel, as a, it's not, I should have mentioned this where I've moved, by the way. Like, I ran into them, not ran, I didn't speak to them or anything, but I saw them pass by getting a coffee the other day. They're all here a couple of weeks ago, Impy and Co. at altitude. And I just think it's very obvious when all the teams come back from altitude and they're peaking right. And it looks like everyone in Israel is firing because Nealands goes to the front and he just shreds. Well, yeah, he shreds it. Like And he did a long, long pull for Fulsang. Now, Fulsang had to move himself up, and Impey was even there, and it was Remco Evenepoel dropping. He's got Masnada around him. Asgren, I think, is out. Uh, he had a cut yep. in his knee or something. So a terrible day for Quickstep with Remco dropping that far from the finish. On a day which to suit him, Benji, like European champs course – is not too dissimilar to this, maybe not as steep, but dropping, like, what? Well, okay, now I'm shredded, Benji, but it was still 50 deep. Like, Kuhn was still yeah, there. Yeah, like, Impy was dropping at the same time, so it definitely was not at the moment that Emko Evenepoel should be dropping on a park to a core like this. It's arguably at a moment where he should be in the offensive. It's an early moment to attack in this race, and he definitely was not able to do that as he was dropping. Masnada was waiting, Von Wilder were waiting, and they basically had a three-man train pacing after the uh, group of favorites being led by Israel over the top of that Pedrinate climb. And they kept that up. The last two kilometers of this climb were the steepest spot. So it's not easy to keep the gap if you're dropped on that steep part to the top. But that descent can offer some, uh, some leveraging coming back. And it felt like the tempo of the peloton reduced a tiny bit in the descent. And by the time you reach the next climb, which is the uh, smaller, not-so-steep climb in the circuit, it seemed like Remco had come back. Someone mentioned that it might have been Remco that was passing Kofi as if he was on the floor. So I definitely checked the footage and it wasn't Remco that was back in the group together with Mosnada and Vobelder by the bottom. And that means that he had a weak moment. He was able to come back after that first Pedrinate climb. And like, what does that mean? Does that mean he had a weak moment and can do it again? Or will he drop on the next climb that matters? And I'm afraid that it was leaning more towards the second of that, right? 
Yeah, the pace went up again. Ineos had four riders, maybe three at that point. Thomas, uh, Peacock, and Danny Martinez. Bora had Lasso, Vegeta, Sharkman. Fulsang was running out of helpers, though, and eventually on that at the end of that climb attacked, reducing the group like down to five riders, and Remco was gone. He, you see him doing his own pace. He, we know he's going to lose big time, and he must have lost a lot because he ended up losing two minutes today when there was a lot of finessing in the final five, six kilometers of this stage. Fulsang goes over the top, and I'm like, what's the plan here? Because... He's got three Bora, three Ineos, multiple EF, I think. It's got a descent and a flat, a false flat section. What's the plan? Because he has, he had the best legs in my view. And well, the plan was just to be stronger than everybody because Shackman attacked on the <laughs> descent. Pidcock marked him. He goes into his wheel. Doesn't help Shackman. Doesn't pull at all which was curious, on the descent. Shackman then had a mechanical and stopped, and Fulsang was having to chase on the descent. So the problems being isolated began immediately. And I was like, why didn't Pidcock relay? Maybe he's too far back on GC. I didn't really get it. Obviously, Vlasov's in the wheel behind. Shackman's lost 55 seconds, so he's behind Thomas on GC. And anyway, they come back from Fulsang, and then I'm like, okay, attacks are going to run a roll, right? Like, Igita's going to counter. Nope. Vlasov's going to counter. Nope. Danny Martinez. Nope. And literally stalled. And everyone was just looking <laughs> at each other like, what's going to happen? Eventually, Shackman went again, and Fulsang closes it a second time. Peacock in the wheel again. Thomas there. And Fulsang, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Three ball or three, Ineos. Fulsang rides around the flat. Yeah, beautiful motor draft, of course, but no one's in his wheel on the flat. And like Fulsang, strong rider, great form right now. He doesn't have big punch and kind of inexcusable really and eventually Vlasov and Thomas and Paolo's bridge across to him Martinez is getting dropped behind he didn't have a good day either Peacock struggling and they get back to Fulsang Sharkman returns uh, and eventually there was another stalemate Benji it looked to me Benji like it took a good minute good 90 seconds for Sharkman and Vlasov to figure out what the plan was yes certainly and I think it's also a mindset of who's in the group there, who can actually win the sprint here if they come down to it. And if, for example, Shagman starts spacing for Vlasov behind in the group with Pitcock, then they're basically delivering Pitcock to a potential sprint finish if he doesn't drop in the climbs to come. So they got to think about, okay, the stage as well. And I think they perhaps were trying to figure out a situation where they could get ahead, not have faster riders in the group and manage to uh, get something out of that. But that kind of counters the stuff that happens later then on the uh, false flat uphill when it all goes stalemate again because then they're, they're there with like five on a climb. Martinez is dropping behind. They're in that group with Thomas, Flazov, Fulsang. Paulus has bridged up like you mentioned. Like, Shockman is there. Like, what happens from that point on? You know that Paulus is a faster rider on paper when it comes to those finishes. Vlazov as well. We know that Shockman has had a bit of trouble when it comes to finishing off races ever since he had that very good Basque country like a few years ago and when it comes to Thomas I wouldn't have rated his sprint against the likes of a Vlasov for example in a finish like this but what are they gonna do if, if if Thomas attacks then the others will respond and the benefit for Thomas is just sitting in I think hoping that Martinez doesn't lose as much time hoping that a pitcock perhaps magically shows up in the wheel again but when it comes to Bora it's it's a situation where they 
I guess, wanted to try and win the stage and try and gain time in GC, but I don't know. I think they were uh, also not necessarily needed to ride for at that point because like what are they gonna benefit yeah they're gonna gain more time on the Remco even pull that is two minutes behind martinez Thomas, yeah but do you still you consider him a GC down in the high altitude he's not looking that great to be honest yeah he doesn't look good i get what you mean but i think it's very simple with shackman having lost that much time he has to go straight to the front and ride for vlasov um he eventually, Vlasov was pacing them in the little uphill finish and Shackman does a reverse lead out, continues it going. I, yeah, I'm surprised Shackman didn't go straight to the front because Vlasov is very fast. He's got full sang in the wheel. Thomas third wheel, powerless, makes a pivotal mistake. He maybe was the fastest. He goes onto Thomas wheel, fourth wheel, and then when full sang uh, kicks, Vlasov kicks, he's way, way faster and Palace is equally as fast. But he has to he has to wait behind Thomas, come back out, come out of the draft, and it's just too late for Vlasov winning the uphill sprint, which isn't a surprise. Like This is what he is good at. He's really good at the punchy stuff. This year he won a Romdi... No, he didn't win. Higita won. Higita nearly chopped him. He was second in that, in that Romdi <laughs> uphill uh, sprint. He was third in Flesh Wallonne. He was decent in Liège. And when you look at him in Astana when he was 24, he was really, really good in Gran Piemonte, Lombardia, Emilia. So, like, this is bread and butter for Vlasov. And what I want to see is him in the high mountains uh, in the next couple of days. But big gaps for such a stage, a really good stage, I have to say. Like, it was a little bit... Uh, Took a little bit for the race to get going, but this was a good one. Vlasov winning ahead of Paulus, full sang third, Thomas fourth, then Ulysse fifth on five seconds, Groshart. No, sorry, Borhat's four, and they let full sang. They had Groshart, they had four. Wow. He was there in a group with Kung. So unbelievable from Kung, seventh, Agita eighth, Sharkman ninth, Rakan back tenth. So you look at those names, like if, if Kung is there and a great performance, don't get me wrong, Paranese stage eight, good too, but like Remco. There's something wrong with that performance. If he's getting dropped that bad, badly. Other uh, casualties, Martinez lost 53. Uh, again, Peacock lost 37. So GC, Vlasov goes into the lead, six seconds out of Fulsang, seven seconds out of Thomas. Thomas looking like the best Ineos rider by far. And tomorrow we have the first mountain test to Muzalp. Locarno to Muzalp, two big climbs, 181Ks. First one, they do the Nerfenen pass, 13.6 at 7.8%. There's a little bit of false light before, so 2,500 metres. It is steep in the 11th kilometre, about 10%. And then long descent and false light descent, huge valley, actually. Let me have a look at this. 50, 60K valley, that's a that's an issue. Then moves up 17.7Ks at 7.6%. Pretty steady. Levels off in the last two Ks. I'd expect differences to be made in the 8th and 9th kilometers. The attacks to start there and continue until the 14th, 15th kilometer in that climb. So I like full saying. I think he goes into the leader's jersey. I think he wins the stage. Ooh, that's a, that's a likable strategy for uh, Israel, I would say. When it comes to this parkour, it's like, you mentioned it. It's also a, a quest to see what Vlasov can offer on a parkour like this. I'm very curious to see what will occur in regards to that because I don't think the tempo that Newfoundland Pass will be that high because it's so far from the finish line. But it would not surprise me, like, which teams are going to control this? When it comes to Ineos, I don't think their confidence is high enough when it comes to Thomas for winning this GC. So the only person that I'm looking at is perhaps an overconfident Bora or... Do you actually consider 
Israel capable of thinking, okay, we're going to control the trains and we're going to go for it on a mountain stage for full sang, knowing that 100%. he's got the history of a, a puncher. 100%. I don't know. Full sang's on. He's on. Look at him at Mercantour out Maritime. He's on. Look at him today, I, the confidence taking it up. They'll pace. I, uh, I will even a breakaway as well on one end, to be honest. Breakaway might win, but I think Israel are going to try. I think they think Full yeah. Sang might have it here. Um, I think Ineos too will ride for Thomas. Thomas is good at this stuff, right? Well, the thing with Thomas is like, is it because the other riders are worse in Ineos that we're praising him so much as the one rider, or nah, is it because nah, he's good enough good. to be there? Okay, but this is also a hill stage. Uh, would you have expected Thomas to make that Full Sang Vlasov group and to be bridging back I would to have, in this stage? Yes. I rated him. I, more I mean, generally, in given like his this, form generally. of the last eighteen months. In the last month, yes. Before no. Yeah, I th- I think that, and they have to, and maybe they use Martinez. Like, what's he on now? He's deep in GC. He's probably on close to two minutes. And let me have a look where he is. He's on one fifty four. So do they pace with Martinez? Is he domestique? Does he attack early? Just try and get the break? Does he go on the first climb? I don't know. It could be an interesting stage. I think. Yeah, I just I really think Full Sang will try again. Nailens will launch it for him. Do we, uh, do we know what's happening with Yoni Zagiri? Because he lost so much time initially in this True. race, and now he came back to 14th here. Is it a rider that could be in the breakaway tomorrow, perhaps? That's an option I see in the breakaway. But um, yeah, if it comes down to like the, the Peloton group, I'm going to still raid Vlasov over Full Sang. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's even if Paul's on 222, we haven't heard what's gone wrong with him. Um, we've got Pino on 6.26, Masnada on 9.04. I'm looking for climbers. Quentin Pacher, 11 minutes. Lukshenko, 11 minutes. Uh, as you said, Izagir on 30. That's maybe a bit too much. Murasa, 18.53. Brambilla, 4.04. That's just a weird, a weird gap. <laughs> like, just go to eight minutes, man. Um, Carthy as well, as well on 239 but, i wouldn't be surprised if carthy moves up a lot tomorrow and uh, no, that's not true i think it's too hot and he's not in good form i'm questioning a tiny bit like when it comes to this race when we started off we were thinking okay vlasov should prove himself in the mountains and so forth but we're now coming towards those mountains and he's up against the likes of a gary thomas and a jakob fulsung for those mountains to to fight for a gc here is that even indicative if he beats them for the tour de france because no. in all honesty fulsung and thomas are not the riders i see as podium candidates right now no. Well, Thomas, maybe. I mean, if Ineos can do something, do a miracle and have half the field OTL or crash out in Denmark, <laughs> then maybe Thomas. But you're right, Benji. It depends on the watts. Like maybe he does his own full gas effort and it's a really, really high level performance and then it is relevant. Um, certainly if he's dropped by full saying or, or Thomas, that's a really big problem for him. Uh, because, as you said, Roglic, Pogaccio, Vingegaard is a, is a whole different beast on climbs like this. Uh, so it's really a stage that I can't wait to watch, uh, even though the uh, organisers have made it as difficult to watch as possible. But that's all. <laughs> Anyway, we'll wait to see what happens with Remco. Shame with the COVID stuff as well. It really sucks. I would have keen, like, imagine GC Coos tomorrow, Benji. Like, that is a shame. Oh, Gates. I think when it comes to GC Cuz, I'm most intrigued because I wanted to see what his form was going to be, even if he wasn't a GC Cuz, just to see what he and will Dennis. be for Yumbo. And when it comes to Dennis, same story. And it really um, draws question marks when it comes to 
some Tour de France teams now, like with Ineos, like with Jumbo, and I guess we'll be figuring out in the coming days if it will affect their teams and how much their teams will be affected from the uh, stuff that happened the, the last two weeks in Dauphiné and Tour de Suisse. Because like, it's not only Adam Yates, like, Martinez's leadership role is also like, I'd argue for the mountains, he's still like all-out leader and so forth. But like, I, I, had a, I added a question mark to his name this week. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's really hard to rate this Swiss. I find it weirder to assess than Criterium de Dauphiné, to be honest, where I just mentally could line it up a bit more. Anyway, that was Swiss. We'll move on to the three sprint stages just quickly. Ruth Doxitani, uh, it was the Arno Demar show, Drupama FTJ doing what they do best on this sort of sprint stage for Demar, cleaning up the sprint. Uh, Viviani, really deep, struggled. I was looking forward to seeing what Tesson could do for Saint-Michel Aubert. Uh, 93, uh, yeah, I was in France. I had to order petrol. I was getting petrol and I was like, fuck, what's 95? And I was like, 80. And I told him 85, but he knew what, the boy hooked me up. He knew what I meant. Um, <laughs> I forgot the Ds. Anyway, Damar wins. Teston was angry. He, with, he was shouting at an Israel rider. Who was he shouting at? I'm trying to look at it. It, was, it wasn't. It was really Barbie, I think, but it was Viviani that cut him off. Anyway, there's nothing really of note to say there other than tomorrow. Uh, 154Ks, sort of punchers finish in Occitanie, a really important race for points. And Valverde's here, Benji, but I'm not convinced of his shape. I think they're just sending him to everything. He's not in that good shape. Like, I don't know. Like, do you, do you think he'll top three tomorrow? Because he really should. Honestly, I hope for a pretty good result when it comes to Valverde. It's uh, it's a mixed parkour, but on paper, it should on paper fit him. It's like, when it comes to the team that they've got, you'd expect them to try and at least control it somewhat, but they've also not really have the team at the start list here uh, that is going to control this entire race. Like, when it comes to Sosa, is he... Uh, is he uh, yeah, he's here as a, a domestique also when it comes to Valverde, I think, on certain terrains, but would you argue that he's going to be so valuable in catching a breakaway, for example? Nabner Gonzalez, Holman and Counter. Counter is here for the sprints. Holman could be the, the flatter guy, Erviti flatter guy, Elos Guy. Like, these are not the top-level domestics when it comes to Movistar. So it's really the question when it comes to uh, controlling that I'm asking. But also, like, this finish, you see uh, Nairo options, or is it not steep enough or not long enough? Nah, not hard enough, I don't think. I'm going with... Uh, Roddy, you might have heard of Attila Volta. I think he should really do well here on this sort of finish. And yeah, see how he goes. I think Erviti is the good flat engine of Movistar and he's kind of banged yeah. up. Uh, he's still injured. So anyway, look for Volta tomorrow, kind of uphill finish. Shouldn't be too decisive on GC. Famous last words. Slovenia was a sprint, very, very messy. Hilly race but not as hilly as the Dauphiné and Groenewegen got the job done he got a lead out uh from Mezgitz and Stewart Merlier was dropped Ackerman just did not have the top end Tamino actually came late second for Alps and Phoenix Ackerman third Fiorelli and Colnaghi absolute shit show for Bardiani all over the place can't believe there wasn't a crash the two uh purple Bardiani riders just <laughs> all yeah and eventually it looks like Colnaghi should be leading out Fiorelli uh, to me, and tomorrow's stage there is 
Thought I, it's the same as the first stage kind of. Svetina, 5.2K, 7.7% with uh, 30Ks to go, 25Ks to go, and then they descend and they got 2K, 7% finish. Pagach can win it very easily if he wants to, but yeah, do you reckon he want to or he'll want Micah to carry the jersey another day? I feel like he'll want to try at least. I, I see him attacking on that climb, but also when it comes to like this stage, Hironuegen, I, I wanted to add that he, he properly cleaned that up and like... Ackermann losing from Tamignol is not exactly the, the most precious thing at the moment. Govekar of Bahrain got kind of blocked in. I was curious to see what was going to happen there, but nothing happened as a consequence because he couldn't get to the front anymore. But like these sprints don't say much about Grunewagen either, although he just cleans it up. Like This was with utter ease that he won this sprint, in my opinion, right? Yeah, this was like when he kicked, you just see Ackermann could do nothing. And gone and Ackerman I know I'm sure he got a nice paycheck but his Palmares, Palmares rather won't thank him for that move I don't think which is funny because he left Bora Benji because he got left out of the tour squad so like money does solve problems if you know, things you're not happy with if you're like well if you're not going to take me to the tour at least pay me absolute bank and yeah Obviously, no complaint. I don't think he's going to the tour. Uh, the last day, last race, fourth of the day, Bauer's Belgium Tour from Bavaria to Nocker Haste, 175k, punchy uphill finish. Uh, and Jasper Philipson got the job done. He's he, he's hard to deny multiple days in a row. Van Poppel second, free Van, Danny Van Poppel, like, please. Pedersen third, Delee fourth, Vemais fifth, Dainese sixth, Jakobsen seventh, Hofstede eighth, and Yolkovsky ninth, and Gerben Tayson. 10th, what I want to ask is, Benji, Jakobsen 7th, are you – I don't think he'll be as consistent as Cav in the Tour. I'm not saying Cav would be better. I'm saying the quick step train is worse than last year. I agree with that, and I felt like it somewhat fell apart in the, apart in the last kilometer, and it brought Jakobsen into a position where he started sprinting, and it he just couldn't really come out towards the end. Then when it comes to Philipson, he's able to, like – go through gaps way more than I see Jakobsen able to. And perhaps that's uh, still a, a thing from what happened to him in the past. But when it comes to Philipson, I feel like he's literally going for gaps that don't exist and goes, goes through them like it's nothing. And in this finish, it's like it's like a finish like right at like the coast where the last 100 meters are like still a bit uphill. And it like goes from like flat to uphill in the last 100 meters again. And I feel like, people probably underestimate that last punch at which Philipson was still able to go because he went out of the wheel of the others later. And when it comes to Peterson, he was at the front really early, which often helps him, but sometimes it's too early and therefore a Philipson can accelerate past, for example, and even pop on that final stretch. But the least certainly with a better result than yesterday. Good to see him up there. Good to see him up there with the uh, top sprinters here. I'm curious, like, I didn't... Specifically, watch the lead during this final sprint. Was there anything you noticed when it comes to like, was he boxed in at certain points? Could he even do better on a finish like this? I think positioning timing is pivotal. And I think, I still think, I mean, he's learning, he's like 20 years old. I actually think he mm -hmm. has the power to win this sort of finish. But yeah, like, same with Van Poppel. I think if Van Poppel gets his own lead out, he can win this finish. But he didn't. He's in incredible form. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the tour. I don't know what happened to Bennett, whether he got dropped or mechanical or what. Tomorrow's stage, 12K flat TT from Sharpenevelsichem, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> struggle with that one. It's not the strongest TT start list here. Uh, I'm looking for Rune Herkotz, 
to top three, probably. Uh, maybe it's he's not powerful enough. I'm looking for Philipson to top five. Uh, but Valscheid, Campenart, Wellens, Lampart, anyone else? Uh, is Sernkrah here? He's not. So who do you who do you like for this TT? Well, the thing with Campenart is that he moved towards that cobble type of rider yeah. rather swiftly, and we don't really know what to expect in that regard to his time trials again. What I'm curious in, uh, what I'm curious in is that I want to see what Thibaut Nice can do in a time trial because this guy's a pretty talented young rider. He's only 19. He's going to trek next year. And he's a bit of a, a punchy type that can also do the cobble train, cycle crosser. And we know that Vanard was a good time trialist when he got straight into these races, these Belgian races, I think in Equal Tour, where I think Tony Martin beat him by a bit or something on, on a time trial, or Vanard did well on a time trial at that point in life. And Van der Poel's initial time trials were also pretty promising. So does that mean that a Thibonais can also make that move and have a decent time trial? I don't know. In the Boaza Belgium Tour last year, he didn't show it necessarily. But I just want to see something from this guy. And perhaps it's more for the upcoming stages afterwards than this specific stage that I'm looking at that personally. But yeah, next to the names you said, like on paper, we want to see those riders do something. And would you argue that... Oh, Brent Lenz and Thorpe, those are like the top 10 riders, you know, and perhaps yeah, it's too short for that, but I'm going to go for Peterson because why not? He, he has to top, if he doesn't top three this, then what's yep. he going to do in the tour where you've got Gana, Wapenart, MVP, uh, who else am I missing? Anyway, big engines. If he doesn't top three this, then struggles. I think Valscheid will top three and I'm struggling to really, I don't know what Lampard's form is like. I'd, like, I'd love to see Valscheid win it. Um, maybe he's just not quite yeah. good enough. But yeah, Philipson as well. Remember that UAE Tour TT? Just watch out for Philipson, another man who I think is sneaky capable of taking yellow at some point was, in the uh, first week. Was Philipson the guy that was descending in an uh, arrow position or something on a time trial bike or something? Or I remember something vague like that last year at an equal tour or, or, or something where he was doing something crazy. Maybe. I mean, I'm trying to remember back to his junior days. Wasn't he a good time trialist uh, yeah. back in the day? So, yeah, he's got the pedigree. He's just been a sprinter. So that's something to watch. But that's all from us today. Quadruple header again tomorrow. Our work's cut out in the heat wave. Maybe we'll have some ice water now. Thanks to you all. Thanks for supporting the podcast. And we'll see you with the recaps tomorrow. Ciao. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.